Hi, and welcome to the Imperfect Podcast. My name is Deb Crow, and I will be your host. Join me on this journey as we meet heart-centered leaders from all over the globe. Lots of interesting questions, interesting conversation, and find out what makes a leader. How do they handle uncertainty and complexity? How do they lead in a time that is volatile? Join us. Welcome back to Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. A couple of weeks ago, I had the pleasure of attending an online virtual coaching summit. And there were coaches and professionals from all sectors, from all over the globe. And I saw this gentleman speak and I thought, I have to get him on the show. So let me introduce you to Dr. Terry Jackson. He is a dynamic executive advisor. He is a thought leader. He's a TEDx speaker and an organizational consultant. He is a member of the prestigious Marshall Goldsmith 100 Coaches and was recently chosen by Thinkers 50 as one of the top 50 leaders in executive coaching. Terry was named by Thinkers 360 as the top 20 global leader in the future of work. And CIO Review Magazine named his consulting company, JCG Consulting, one of the top most promising leadership development solution providers in 2019. Dr. Terry earned his PhD in management with a concentration in leadership and organizational change. And he is the author of Transformational Thinking, The First Step Toward Individual and Organizational Greatness. So Dr. Terry, welcome to the show. Thank you so very much for having me here. Uh, it's a pleasure and, a, and an honor, and I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed the um, presentation I gave a couple of weeks ago. Well, I loved the presentation because I loved what you chose as your keynote topic about the necessary reckoning of corporate America. So why don't we dive into my leadership questions, and I, I would love to talk to you about that. Okay, sounds good. Now, we have had an interesting 2020, to, to say the least. What do you think has been one of the biggest challenges that leaders have had to learn as we migrate and navigate through? And even, I'm going to throw in another verb, mitigate this pandemic. What, have, what has been some of the trends that you've seen that, that you could share with our listeners? You know, it's been very interesting, and that is an excellent question, because oftentimes when we think about leadership, we think about people who know all the answers, right? And so oftentimes there's an air of confidence, as, as we call it, it's executive presence around these leaders. And so they know it all, uh, and, and they're able to articulate uh, what it is they know and, and solve challenges. What we found in this pandemic is that the leaders don't know it all. They've shown themselves to be very human and very vulnerable because given the uncertainty and the ambiguity that has surrounds this whole COVID-19 pandemic, they're not quite so sure how to move forward. And then when you begin to add in the social injustice piece and how it's reared its head 
all of this. And so we've had pretty much a kind of perfect storm to arise with the pandemic. And so leaders don't know what to say. They don't know what to do. They become timid versus understanding that concrete decisions need to be made because they've yet to have those tough conversations around extremely important issues like diversity, equity, inclusion. They don't know what to do because they've been paying it lip service, right? Versus really digging in. And, uh, you know, a lot of what they've done based upon what I have seen is the same old playbook. And when I say the same old playbook, you know, diversity, inclusion, really that concept initiated somewhere around the 1980s, the early 1980s. And what companies did was they went out and hired diversity and inclusion or diversity officers, right? I'm seeing the same playbook. And that's not what's going to get to the root of what our challenges are. And ultimately, our challenges are we're not treating each other as human beings. That's the ultimate challenge. Well, I love that you said that. And it, there was a quote that you said during your talk at the summit a couple of weeks ago, and I, I'd love to reiterate it and just kind of add in an extra question here because I think it it lends a lot of merit. You said, quote, we are at a time where organizations and individuals should be evaluating and reevaluating their purpose, end quote. Speak a little to where that kind of fit into your keynote. And again, kind of segueing off my first question, we have seen complacency come to the surface. And I think for me, when I, when I read that quote, and then I heard you say that quote, so I'd love you to expand a little bit on that. You know, as, as organizations begin to evaluate who they are and their purpose, they have to ask themselves the question, is our purpose really around profit and loss, shareholder, interest, increasing shareholder value, or should it really be around increasing the value of the human experience on earth? Uh, I would be willing to say that if you increase the experience of the human on earth, that human experience, you would increase your shareholder value you would increase uh, stock value. You would increase the value of the organization because <clears throat> all that we do as organizations or all that organizations do is really around providing a product or a service that the ultimate end user is a human being. So why not create or help create a more human experience here uh, on earth? Absolutely. And I, I always talk about heart-centered leadership. And I think the true meaning of that is honoring our connection with people. Because if we don't have our connection with people, we don't have anything. And I loved how you frame that. You know, are we looking at the profit and loss statement, the amount of shareholders, how much interest we're paying? None of that would be feasible if we didn't have the forefront of everything driving that, which is our people. So I really loved how you framed that, Terry. 
you know, we, we say in corporate America, corporate America said for many years that our greatest asset are our people, right? If you hear that and then you watch the actions, right? So you want to be able to watch what people do versus what they say. And there's an inconsistency there because if the greatest asset were the people, they would treat them differently. They would invest in them uh, more than they currently do. They would see them as, as, as human beings. They would want that experience to, to, to improve. I mean, there are certain organizations out there we know um, who treat their people real well. They have all types of amenities, you know, at the workplace. Um, but at the end of the day, <clears throat> when you see those organizations that have all of those amenities, like the daycares and the cleaners, that means that they're keeping that, they're keeping that employee at the work site a longer period of time. So, you know, it, there's, there's some selfish motives in that. Are those motives really around improving the human experience? That's, that, that's yet to be seen. Fully agree. Now, my next question all my guests get, and it honors and aligns with the name of the podcast, share with us what imperfections Dr. Terry brings to his heart-centered leadership. Wow, that's, um, that's an excellent question. What imperfections do I bring to my heart-centered leadership? And, and, and <clears throat> some will see it as an imperfection, maybe some won't. And, and that is, I have a philosophy of everyone has an A and you earn an F as it relates to trust. So for a lot of people, you have to, as they say, you have to earn, earn their trust as you move along in the development of their relationship. For me, and it may be somewhat of an imperfection, if you will, I trust everyone 100% up front. And then you earn that F by proving to me that you are not, or you cannot do, as you said, that you can do, or you are not who you are. Uh, and so instead of going through the mental calisthenics up front of, can I trust, can I, can I not trust, how much should I trust, how much leeway should I give this person? I said, hey, let me give it to you all up front. And sometimes it comes back to, to, to bite me again. The person goes from the A to the F, from the A to the C, however they go. But I don't want to waste that time trying to determine whether or not to trust somebody and go through that, well, a year from now, I can trust them. No, let me do it right now. I'm supposed to have faith in my fellow human being. And that's what I'm doing by giving them the trust. Now, how they maintain that faith is something totally different. Well, I love the way you frame that. And again, without trust, you can't get there without that initial honoring and, and developing rapport. So very, very powerful. And like you said, some may, may see it as a, a strength and some may see it as a weakness. So it's a very interesting concept that we could spend some time mulling over. We could probably do a whole podcast on that, Terry. <laughs> yes, we could. Now, you mentioned two of the elements out of VUCA. And for those listening, VUCA stands for volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. Certainly what we've seen since March of this year with the pandemic and how it's affected all of us globally. 
If we looked at shifting that acronym, Terry, to vision and understanding and clarity and agility, what would be in your toolkit to offer to our listeners today a simple shift or something that they could put in their toolkit to start leading or thinking differently? That's an excellent question. Um, you know, one of the things I said at the very beginning of all of this, COVID-19 and social injustice and social unrest, however you want to define it, was that we have to get back to basics. We're at the intersection of instinct and intellect. And because we are there, what we have to take a look at, instead of using our intelligence, we have to begin to dive deep into what our counterintuitiveness, such that we don't follow the same habits that we followed before that would take us or help us resolve uh, an issue. We need to break those habits of our normal intelligence simply because this is a new time. We're never going to get back to where we were as a result of this, this virus. Organizations have shut down, businesses have closed high unemployment as a result of this. And it's going to take some time to, to bounce back economically for, for, the, for, the, for the country to bounce back. The globe, because this is, a, this is a global pandemic. And so people across the globe are impacted by this. You can't recover the normal way. And that's where the counterintuitiveness comes in. Because as I, I said earlier, intellect and instinct instinct is extremely important simply because that's about your survival, your ability to survive. That's totally different than relying strictly on, and on intellect. We are at the crossroads of both. We have to be able to, to make both work for us as we move into the unknown and have that vision such that we understand what you just said, that acronym of vision and understanding. Uh, and uh, I forgot the other, but there was a great acronym. It's, it's instinct that's going to help us uh, overcome the newness of what this is around what our culture is going to look like, what the globe is going to look like, how we're going to engage as human beings. Right? It means taking a risk. It means having courage. Because uh, we know courage is, is, is walking through here to do it anyway. Right? It takes courage, and courage is the underpinning of everything. So a combination of counterintuitiveness uh, with a, a shot of courage will, will help uh, anyone's toolkit as they, they go through this pandemic. Well, I'm sitting here smiling because I love that you talked about instinct. And I remember having a guest on from Australia, Dr. Rod Gutierrez. And we had a really intellectual stimulating conversation about intuition management and how as leaders, 
we can use that either constructively or destructively. And I loved how you just modeled and framed that around instinct because that's virtually what you're saying. So we have a time to lead in this volatile time during this pandemic. And, and intuition, man intuition management is a big piece of that because you touched on your first point uh, when we talked about our first question leaders don't know everything just because they have the the title and the stature it's such a, a a misperception that i think COVID has granted us the openness and vulnerability for leaders to step up and shine and those who chose to not became complacent and are no longer leading so like you i'm seeing the the glimmer at the end of the tunnel for the goodness that the, this has brought to leadership overall. Absolutely. You know, I've been talking since the beginning of this is how do we get humans to be more humane, right? Let's 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 not look at the exterior of, of the individual because our exteriors may be different, but internally we're we're all the same. And we all have the same want and the same need. And as a result, if we can get back to humanism as I'm going to call it and let's eradicate the labels you know the dehumanization the objectification um even the the labels of, of in a corporation the ceo or the senior leader of this because what those titles do is they create a perception around people that may not necessarily be true and those perceptions uh cause people to approach people certain ways um, and instead of seeing them as a human being, they see them as a part of a, uh, an order, if you will, um, a, a structure, if you will, something or someone because of their position who may be more important than myself. It creates that uh, superior, inferior kind of relationship based upon what a title is in an organization that prevents all of the uh, human element from coming into play. I was talking with a client of mine and uh, in the area in which I live in North Carolina, uh, we, we suffer from hurricanes. And so as they, as this, this, this client, which is a healthcare institution, as they prepare for hurricane uh, awareness and they bring all of their people in, um, to prepare, they are more effective at that given time simply because the titles, the egos are left at the door. What they're there to do is to, to serve uh, the community as well as the patients who happen to be in the hospital during these times of hurricane. And the question is that I had for them, how can we maintain that same effectiveness in non-hurricane times and that productivity within the organization versus when you're in hurricane season, when there is a hurricane happening. You know, how do you get that to stick? How do you make that sustainable? It's obvious they make the shift of the non-ego, the non-title, we human beings, we're gonna get all this done in this emergency time. But how do you make this the normal way uh, to, to, to behave on a day-to-day -day basis? And that's been tough, but we have to get back to what it means to be human. Absolutely, and you know, there's a cliche, I, I don't know who said it, the quote, but 
you expect the best and prepare for the worst. And I think that's what the leaders who've really stepped up and into their greatness this year have done. And even like you talked about with, you know, the hospital and, and preparing for weather, we have no control of, of when that's going to come. But if you've got a positive model, like we talked about in, you know, maybe we need to start talking about the new VUCA model. Yes. The, vis the vision, the understanding, the clarity and the agility, because it's easier to talk about all the stuff that's going wrong. But I always love to coach and talk to companies and executives about what can you bring to the table to entertain the conversation of what's going right, because that's where all the magic happens. Yes, absolutely. I always call it growth from the valley, Dr. Terry. It's where we <laughs> where we, we fall forward and we learn the best of the best things. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. We learn how to how to fail fast, right? Um, Hundred percent. And I mean, all those failures, and you know, because you deal with a lot of leaders, those failures land up turning in and becoming shape of experience that allows them to lead and grow and foster and mentor because they're going to meet other leaders, they're going to foster their executive team. And by talking about the fail forwards, I think it's such a leadership essential. Yes, absolutely. I agree with you 100%. I mean, I, I don't like the word fail because really what it is is the opportunity to learn what not to do that did not help you achieve the goal or the objective that you were seeking to achieve. So you learn more uh, by not achieving it the first, second, or the third time than you do by achieving a goal the first or the, or, or, the, or the second time. And so it's just a learning opportunity versus the negative connotation that we give it. Um, and I think it's something that it's a word that actually should be, uh, we should really consider uh, eliminating from, from, from our uh, vocabulary because certain people take failure a certain way depending on how it's been defined for them and how they define it for themselves and it can take some people you know over the edge when it's really just a lot i didn't do it right the first time let me learn how to do it right the second time it's just another opportunity it's another opportunity and i remember being a young teenage girl and my irish nana asked me if i knew what the word fail meant and being young, I thought she was looking for the definition. Mm. And she said, it's an acronym. It's your first attempt in learning. <laughs> yes. And I never, ever forgot that. So again, perception in how we want to receive the information. Do we want to move ahead with logic or do we want to move ahead with emotion? So such an interesting conversation. Yes, absolutely, because there has to be a great mix of both, right? It has to be a mix of logic and, and a mix of emotion because we are emotional beings. Um, and, you know, let's, let's, take a look at, let's take a look at the situation that happened with George Floyd and what we were able to see on television and how it pulled at our heartstrings to see one human being have his knee on the neck of another human being, right? That, that created a lot of emotion across the globe and that's why leaders and leaders had never seen all of those kinds of emotions before so they didn't know what to do or what to say or who to talk to because you know we, 
it, it's been rare, at least in our time, that we've ever seen anything like that. Uh, it, it just, it was amazing. Well, and it reminds me of moments in time, for example, where I could say to you, where were you on the morning of 9-11? Yes. It's, it's going to be a snapshot in time that we forever have in our memory, but we also have in our hearts. And all we can do is learn from this experience and educate and advocate for a better world. And I think, again, the pandemic has really shown us opportunity to be humane. And it's time, in my opinion, and again, I'm going to throw in another question because I knew we were going to have a great conversation. Why did we have to have a pandemic to finally blow the doors off diversity inclusion? Mm. That is an excellent question. You know, um, I like to say that with this pandemic, the world came to a stop. I think it was a combination of however you want to call it, the universe, God, whomever, that indicated that, hey, things are just not going well on this planet. Uh, my greatest creation, abusing themselves, misusing themselves based upon false narratives. And the only way to correct that <clears throat> is to uh, potentially uh, impact them with something like this. Uh, the pandemic, COVID-19. And so that opened our eyes again, you know, eight minutes and 46 seconds, eight minutes and 46 seconds uh, of a man's knee on the neck of another gentleman. And it took that gentleman who was lying on that, that, that ground, that, that street, to call out <clears throat> for his dead mother while he was dying to get everybody's attention. And it happened in, with arguably the greatest country ever known to man, that this kind of uh, barbaric treatment of, of a human being simply because of the hue of his skin. It's quite, 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 quite interesting. And so I think it was the reckoning of the human being, if you will, the necessary reckoning of the human being that was needed. That's why that's a, this is a, why this is happening at this time. Well, it's interesting. I was gonna mention the eight minutes and 46 seconds because I, like I had previously said, it, it's ingrained in our hearts, in our minds, and it's allowed us space to change because of the pause and I think you, you said it beautifully. I'm going to shift gears here and want to have a little bit of fun with you. I'm going to ask you four fun questions. <laughs> we just want to know what's on the top of Dr. Terry's mind. So are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, first question. Share with us what your favorite memory has been to date so far in your life. Mm question um and actually i was just talking about it with a friend the other day uh i think at the age of 15 that's that summer uh playing baseball and making an all-star team that traveled throughout the south winning championships 
was probably uh, one of the greater the greater uh, one of the greater moments um, of 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 my life. That was a great moment. We were talking about that just the other day. In doing what I wanted to do that summer, playing ball, playing with friends, uh, winning, just having a good time. You know, 15 years old, you don't have a great deal of responsibility. That's one of the greater. Um, I would say the greatest uh, moment would be uh, the birth of uh, my daughter, Christelle Jackson. That would be the greatest. Beautiful. If I asked you, no thinking, what's on the top of your mind, what word would you give to the year 2020 and why? Arbitrary. <laughs> you know, initially when 2020 came in, it, it, it was a, it was an excellent, it was an excellent year. Um, I gone out and see some training to get into mergers and acquisitions and integration. Um, it started out very, very well, very optimistic, and then all of a sudden it came to a stop in March. I want to say it was March 19th to be exact, when they began to close down, at least North Carolina, uh, from the travels and the businesses and the gymnasiums. And so it's been arbitrary. And now, you know, we've opened up a little bit more. And now that we've opened up a little bit more, guess what? the numbers are spiking again in North Carolina. We, especially in my hometown, we've had some real low numbers, uh, but the numbers are now spiking again. And so now we're kind of going backwards. And so it's been, uh, it's been a roller coaster, but been somewhat of a roller coaster ride uh, emotionally for a lot of people. But I can tell you that for me, um, my business grew exponentially during the COVID period. Well, I'm going to align with you. I'm in Canada. We have also seen a spike in numbers and this has been a phenomenal year because coaching is a vital service and it's been nothing but an opportunity if you've chose to see it in that way. So lovely to hear that. If I gave you a time capsule for 2020, what would you put in it before you bury it? So maybe your daughter would dig it up in 20 years time and what would give her a real snapshot of 2020? Hmm. I would say what would give her a snapshot of 2020? Uh, I participated, I was a co-author in a book by the MG100. It was leading in uncertain times. I think that was the title. But in that, my piece was really around humanity, being more human. And I created an acronym uh, for, uh, for it. And I think it's a, an excellent model uh, for us to become more human and see each other more human. So it would be a reminder when someone dug up that time capsule, capsule on my daughter, uh, of that time capsule. It would be a reminder of what it means to be human. And, you know, we talk about what our purpose is all the time. Uh, and I think it's real simple. I think uh, our purpose is to serve our fellow human beings. How we serve is what we find difficult, finding how we are to serve. But the purpose is, I think, very simple. That is the 
serve your fellow human being. Well, and I'm a servant leader and I know you're a servant leader. So I am so happy to hear you say that. My last question is, what is going to be the legacy of Dr. Terry? Hmm. The legacy, that's, a, that's, a, that's another good question because that's something I think on and talk about all the time. I think it's gonna be encapsulated in these seven words. And that is helping others improve their quality of life. That's all encompassing, right? Whether that's giving someone a positive word, whether that's handing someone a book to read, uh, whether that's coaching, whether that's consulting, uh, whether that's uh, seeing someone homeless on the street and, and, and give, giving them money or buying them a meal. All of that involves helping someone improve the quality of life, their quality of life. And so that's kind of what I try to live by. And I think that's what my legacy will be. People will, will, will remember me for that. In speaking uh, with you this morning on the podcast, uh, I thought about a quote from Judy Garland that I think has been kind of the fluency of our conversation this morning. And she used to say, always be a first rate version of yourself mm -hmm. instead of a second rate version of someone else. Mm -hmm. Authenticity, right? Absolutely. Well, Dr. Terry, this, this was more than I even hoped for. I, I love spending time with you and I want to thank you for your expertise and your wisdom and, and carving out some time to be on the Imperfect Podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me as a, a guest. I'm honored and humbled to have been a guest on the Imperfect Podcast. Thank you so much. And I'd like to leave everyone with my list of five things that I truly believe help us live a purposeful life. Follow your heart, have passion, do your best, know your truth, and don't forget to be in love with the journey. This is Deb Crow. Thank you so much for joining me once again on Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast.